Welcome to Everything is Television. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm Keith Krepko. And I'm Chris Summers. And we're going to talk about the Ooh. premiere of 11-22-63 called The Rabbit Hole. Is there a difference between, like, because I know that, like, seasoned television shows, the first episode is always called Pilot. Pilot. Mm-hmm. So does this, like, get a pass because it's a miniseries? Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, miniseries definitely get a pass. And then Hulu, well, I guess even on, like, Netflix and stuff, they, they'll do Pilot. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, so anyways, the first episode, um, before we get into anything else, I want to get some feelings on James Franco's goatee. <laughs> it look as bad as I had built it up to be. It looked yes. it, yeah, yeah, it looks it terrible. Worse. It looked worse. It was patchy. It somehow looked worse. It was patchy and overgrown. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like when somebody's trying to fill out a goatee by growing it long. Yeah. But then it just doesn't fill in. It just looks like long hairs over a patchy yeah. goatee. Yeah. It was obviously a fake goatee. And then they go they even go so far as to have him get it shaved off with an up close shot of someone who is clearly not James Franco mm-hmm. getting their face shaved. Why do you say clearly not James Franco? Because it doesn't look like if you you can look look. I've done I've I've put the time in, right? I've researched this. You can look at James Franco's face and see that there are clearly big swaths of area where no facial hair grows in. But so, then in this close up shot, this guy's got like a straight up five o'clock shadow covering 50% of his face. So you that is not James Franco being shaved. You studied James Franco's face. I was, I was, I, uh, look, I was shocked that they had the gall to even go so by far and pass this fake goatee off that they're actually shaving it. Don't, don't bring your fake, fake Franco here. <laughs> Justin will, will block it. He'll get right out of here. He, the, um, I, I would love to hear like the pickup on that. Like after they shot the whole episode, did somebody say, oh, we forgot the scene of him shaving off his goatee. Yeah. And they're like, who's on the set? I don't know. Grab that guy. Like that's, that's <laughs> your conspiracy shave. theory. They're just like, that was the cameraman sitting in. Right. He looked like he had converted to a religion that doesn't let you shave like, like Hindu. And this was his first year not shaving. <laughs> That's what it reminded it me of. So, it was so scraggly. It was like it's like he didn't even bother to trim it at all, right? No, yeah, that's exactly. He, he, I want to if we're if we're doing kind of initial impressions and mm-hmm. things. I want to jump in here and just say I think we need to, or I need to issue our first apology slash correction. Sure. Which was I think I implied that F- James Franco directed. Mm-hmm. The pilot, mm-hmm. he didn't. That was Kevin McDonald, the guy who did Touching the Void and One Day in September and then literally has just been on a downhill mm-hmm. slide ever since. Um, but, yeah, I think I I read that wrong. Yeah, That's it. That's cr- okay. Let's, let's try not to do that again, though. I'm trying. It's a cr- I, I got. I used my Keith one. Keith will continue to do it. I got my one. Keith will continue to do it. Just get used. Get used to it. Um. Well, so I was gonna say something else about the goatee. I just can't let it go. But, oh man. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Like I mentioned before, James Franco has done all these weird stuff for roles. He got cornrows for Spring Breakers. Ugh. For something else, he like fake leaked an Instagram conversation implying that he was a pedophile, right? Because he's like playing a pedophile in a movie. And as soon as he did it, everyone was like, oh, he's just like trying to drum up publicity and this is fake. But he can't grow a goatee for 40 minutes of the opening shots of his new show. I, I'm going to go on a limb and say I don't think he can. I think his skin is too, if you look at it, it's too smooth. There's no way that there's a lot of yeah. hair follicles messing up that yeah. uh, well, right. part of that the face. part of the way to sell being a pedophile is to be patchy because pe- <laughs> there's no pedophiles out there that have a full beard without any patches. Okay, so let's talk about. Um, well, let's give general impressions. What, what did you think of the uh, Keith? What did you think of the episode? The episode, I. Th- 
I enjoyed. Uh-huh. There was a slight adjustment from the book to any show, but I thought the decision that they seem to have made is just to streamline everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought the show had a really good pace to it. They didn't kind of dawdle with the time travel. They're just pretty much right into it and kept things going. Um, it didn't surprise me mm-hmm. in any way, which maybe I'm, I'm, I, maybe I'm expecting too much. Um, but I thought it was a solid beginning to a show that uh, I'm interested to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. So is the time travel explained more in the book? Not really, but it's established more. Uh-huh. And so one, one of the problems I had is Chris Cooper, and we can talk about this later on, but Chris Cooper, given his setup, was basically a bumbling fool for every single time he went back. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't, he couldn't basically learn anything more than we know today. After all of his research, you think that yeah. he would know all he needs to do is not be there for an event, but just verify that a guy isn't at that event. Right. Mm-hmm. So follow Oswald then and see if he's mm-hmm. buying milk while this guy tries to get, uh, well, not the JFK guy, the other guy gets assassinated or uh, the attempted assassination. I think the problem is that you actually lose your life years. You actually age in the time machine. I mean, in the 60s. Oh, yeah. So it's hard for him to explain disappearing for two minutes every day and coming back two or three years older every time. So I think some of that can be explained or can be, you know, explained away. But So so you think he's only attempted maybe... Like three or four times. I think he he goes back and forth. Well, he goes and gets his meat. He goes and gets his meat, goes makes some money and comes back, and he's only gone for a day at a time. That's what it seems like. Except for that the obviously the opening show where he was gone for two years, which that's the question. Why why did he pick in that moment? Oh look, uh, James Franco's talking to his future ex wife. Let me go for two years. To the 60s. Well, how many times do you think he tried to stop the assassination, Chris? Well, the implication is that it's only once. See, I think he's tried multiple times. And he didn't even try to stop the assassination. He was only there for, for what, two years? Or did he... St- well, that, in that attempt. Huh. It, it sounds like, I don't know, uh, you, you would think that there would have been more explanation as to how far he got. But it, in the first episode, it certainly seemed... Like they implied that he was only there that one two-year period. So is any of that in the book? Yeah, like I said, it's it's far more established in the book. So it, does it follow him back in time at all in the book? No, or, or it, but it spends more time saying this is what he did. Right, it spends more time. This is what he did, and him mm-hmm. getting Franco set up. I got the impression that he had been sort of trying off and on multiple times throughout the years. But I think he said this last time when he went back for two or three years, that was the longest he's ever been, obviously. Well, I I don't know if that was the longest he's ever been. I I think that he's, number one, you don't become that obsessive off of one trip, right? His whole back room is filled Mm -hmm. with research. So it's something that I think that he has been piecing together and been thinking about it's something that now that he is diagnosed with cancer, he's obviously far more interested in executing. But that was one of the issues I had is how little we know of Chris Cooper's attempts and backstory. Mm-hmm. Because it could, he could have tried 15 times for all we know. Mm-hmm. right? He could have gone trying to make it three years every single time and got stopped at some point and had to come back. And just never got further. Uh, so Chris, how did you feel about the, is the time travel, anything about the time travel bothering you at all? <laughs> uh, the, no, I, it's, uh, you just have to accept it just like, yeah. just like Narnia. Okay. There's a closet. We don't know why it's there. I don't quite yeah. understand how they know where, how to get back into the closet. Exactly. What? That's exactly what I was going to say. He yeah. fell out of the time travel for the first time and somehow knew to jump back up and get 
back and then like how is that so second nature to him yeah i mean i mean he literally just walk turns around and he's back in the thing not only that first of all he appears out of nowhere mm-hmm. and then everyone is looking at him but then when he goes back he's like only this guy with a yellow card saw me he's like no wait a minute everybody yeah. was looking at <laughs> everybody you. was looking at you yeah, so, that that's the only thing that bothers me about the time. I'm fine with the time travel aspect of it being unexplained, and I'm totally fine with the, um, with with it being brushed off constantly as look, it just doesn't make sense. You just have to accept it. But have him like walk out of a closet in an abandoned building or something, <laughs> or have him like walk in between two trees in the woods you know what i mean don't just have him appear in the middle of a sh- busy street exactly and then to get back he just turns around and the camera cuts away that makes no that is like the absolute lowest level of trying whatsoever yeah that bothers me a little bit okay so were you able to push past that and enjoy the yeah no and it doesn't ruin anything for me it just was kind of like this is a weird decision Right. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about the kid, so Al comes back and he has cancer. Chris Cooper has cancer. And then he says, um, he says, when you go back in, it resets everything. Mm -hmm. So when James Franco goes back in for the first time, why doesn't it reset his cancer? Because you can take stuff out of it. Right. And, and you know, like, if you go there and you get a haircut, uh-huh. you come back, your, your haircut stays cut. because you're, you're a constant. Okay. You know, you are going back in time. You're able to come back because you're the constant. Everything else around you is what's changing. Yeah. And I guess that that's just sort of like the flimsiness of time travel you have to get used to. Well, I, I do have a question. I, I read two different recaps today. And they contradicted each other with one of the rules of time travel. And maybe you, one of you guys know the actual rule or it's not explained or maybe you know from the book. But they say and it's, it's exactly what Justin just said, but just a little bit of a spinoff. There's one line where he says, if you change anything big. That I understood it, if you come back and you change something big. Yeah, you might have stopped the Kennedy assassination, but if you go back, it resets. But according to one of the articles I read today, if you change something big, you can't come back. As in, James Franco will be stuck in the 60s. No, that's not true. Okay, so then... Okay, so then the, the, one of the main people, I think it was Variety, that recapped this, is completely wrong. <laughs> well, then I'm going to go right for Variety, because I can at least <laughs> get that right. That's what uh, I thought. Chris... Yeah, Chris Cooper covers it really quickly when he says, once you make the change, then you have to come back and you cannot go back. Mm-hmm. So once that change is made, that's it. Chris Cooper says in a line, and maybe that guy was thinking, oh, once you go back and change it, then you can't come back. But no, you just if he ever goes back, it will reset and everything they changed. And I guess it just resets to the default history that we all know. Well, no, it, it defaults it to whatever to happened up to that moment in 19... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So does it reset to the to the timeline before he went in? Or does it reset to the original timeline of the actual American history? You know what I'm saying? No, well, well, every time he exits that room, if he goes back, it's going to go back to the same point. So anything that he's changed is after that point. Mm-hmm. So it'll just go back to the original point. Every single time. Uh, what one thing that you know, was, changing JFK's assassination is not going to affect anything before that milkman dropped his bottles of milk. Right. You know. Yeah, well, one thing that needs to be said—I don't know if it crossed your mind—but James Franco almost got killed by the past, you know, so, uh, quote unquote, pushing back like five times in the in the first episode. How on <laughs> yeah. earth did Chris Cooper survive? multiple years without getting <laughs> decapitated burned alive there is no way now if they want to be slick about it they can say that he basically the past gave him cancer and that's how they got rid of him that's what i was going to say i'm assuming that the cancer is 
because in this last time he went in, he probably got closer than he ever got to stopping the assassination. And so the cancer is the manifestation of that. Is That's what interesting, guys. You're jumping ahead a bit. But <laughs> but I think that this this speaks to what makes Stephen King such a great writer. And it's inclusions of things like that. The fact that he can put force and agency behind the past, mm-hmm. that it would push back, is something that is just so, you know, I think a lot of writers would get stuck in like, Oh no, it's kind of like the Damon Lindelof thing. It's like, oh no, if we're going to do that, then we need to have like that force needs to be tied to something known, right? Then we need to explain that force. Stephen King just writes like, hey, time travel happens. The, you know, the past pushes back and we have to adjust to it. Yeah. And we do. And that's, and that's something that I, I, that frustrates me in other shows and writing is when they don't trust the audience not only to understand something, but to take a, a logical leap. I mean, we're watching this TV show to forget our our lives to some extent. So, yeah, give me something fantastical, you know? Give me the past that's trying to stop me from changing it. And that's such a great idea. And it works so well in the book and i think it works really well to amp up the tension of not just is james franco going to be able to do this but what is the past going to push back and it brings out interesting ideas like can the past give you cancer that's mm-hmm. that's a fascinating idea mm-hmm. and um i love stuff like that and stuff like the yellow card man with just right. a simple kind of um just like identifier the yellow card man Stephen yeah. King uses that a lot mm-hmm. um characters like that and it's just so evocative and mysterious mm-hmm. and i love inclusions of characters like that and then ideas like the past pushing back on you um and i love the fact that the show is translating those cuz those worked really well in the book I have a question about the uh, past pushing back mm-hmm. one of the items. So in that whole sequence, the, the we're meant to believe that the past is pushing back on Franco by um, the waiter tripping, spilling the candle or drink or whatever it mm-hmm. is that's on fire. The flaming... Right, catches on fire. Mm -hmm. Franco puts it out with his jacket. That's the past. And then as he's walking towards the table, the chandelier Chandelier falls. falls. Mm -hmm. That's the past. And then he's um, listening in on a conversation, right? Which he tries to call his dad. Yeah, the car. Yeah, that's another. That's a different sequence, though. But in the restaurant, he's listening in on this conversation between these. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. People. And then he follows one of them backstage and walks in on two people having sex and completely freaks out. Is that the past pushing back? The, so, is so he like think, that disturbed by people having sex? No, the woman the past is, is the past. Is then personified as the guy. <laughs> oh, I thought the guy. Yeah, the woman's just staring at it. The him, guy right? was humping the past. And that's why the past was staring at him like, go away. <laughs> Right. You're not supposed to be here like, while I'm getting humped. <laughs> not supposed to see this. Um, yeah, no. So, so, yeah, the past is going to work like everything in a, in a force. Him walking in on two people having sex, I don't think is establishedly or, or um, elaborately staged by the past. Yeah, I just wasn't really sure what the purpose of that whole sequence was. I feel like no, it was think- just a, because every show has to have a sex scene. That would be my yeah, honest thought. It's not HBO because it would have been far more graphic. Yeah. Right. I th- I, the cockroaches were, were the past manifesting something. Yeah, and I, I liked, I, li- I really think that that's an interesting idea, that there's this sort of nefarious, nebulous source of evil that's working against you to, 
You know what I mean? Well, well, here, here's the thing really quickly. Is it evil? Well, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's an antagonist. It's trying to kill our main character. It's, it's right. Well, it's trying to protect what's happened. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that may not be evil. I mean, what James Franco is trying to do could be evil. Well, I mean, look, is a human being going to be devoured by thousands of cockroaches? Can a cockroaches even kill you i would freak out you would freak out but you wouldn't die no no but i wouldn't be able to handle that i would have run out of the room like he did i mean let's look at the let's look at the other things the past did it tried to run him over in a phone booth with a car it tried to set him on fire and and kill the little boy basically in the process it tried to looney tunes style drop a chandelier on his head okay and it tried to cover him in bugs can can we all can we look at from the other angle then look what the the past did it warned him as soon as he came back it said you don't belong here Mm -hmm. right it didn't kill him at the phone booth but it sent a clear message with the static in the phone call and all these other subtle ways like when he can't overhear the the conversation that he needs to that the past is saying don't do this and it didn't drop the chandelier on his head or anybody apparently no one was i love how quickly everybody gets back to their dinner mm-hmm. yeah after would, that yeah. happens it's just <laughs> like really just quick like, yeah turn the music I'd be out, out, the, out the restaurant yeah I, <laughs> yeah i'd be out but i'd be getting a free something <laughs> i think we can Before all agree that chris cooper was a little irresponsible with his descriptions about the past pushing back <laughs> he basically said uh, the, the past is going to F with you, but uh, the, the past is going to straight up try to kill you. I mean, it set the house he was in, living in on fire, and then oh, that true. killed the kid. So the past oh. killed that little that kid. And was it was the that the past, though? Yes. That, that, who, who, no, who sure? was the kid? It was just the kid? No, no, it was the kid that he uh, talked to, remember? He's- Going to join the, the join army. the army. Yeah, but I mean, does he have any relevance in the present day, or he was just a kid? Uh, I mean, for some reason, not. I got the impression he had relevance. Yeah, in the present I day. got, I have the same impression. Well, he hasn't come back to the present day, so we haven't seen what that's affected. That's true, right? Um, so Chris, did we get your sort of general impression of the episode? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Yeah, I um I liked it. I uh, just like Keith said, I felt like it moved at the perfect pace to keep me interested the whole time. Um there was nothing really that boring, uh, which is always my problem. I'm very easily bored by shows that don't have a lot of kick to them. But uh I really like He loves Prison Break. I don't love Prison Break. That's the level of kick he's looking for. The white, the one thing I that they did that I'm always a sucker for is the super cheap plot implantment or whatever you call it with the with the old man and his whole family's got murdered in front of him and now the inception yes and now James Franco is gonna go and check that situation out and hopefully solve it. It's so cheap and unfair, but I love it. <laughs> the um. It's interesting because the book and the book is so long because this is a story of diversions. It's mm-hmm. not he goes back and stops the assassination of Kennedy. It's he goes back in time. He affects this guy's story. He has his own story that happens. Kennedy is kind of a, a it's almost a digression because the book almost seems to be about something other. I don't think they're going to be able to fit in mm-hmm. this um, miniseries, especially because it's a miniseries. That's the other thing is it's like we only have six episodes left, and we somehow have to get I this. Think there's seven left. I think there's eight total, right? Yeah, I thought they combined. I thought this two hour. Oh, did they? Well, was the, like episode one minute. and two. The one I watched was an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah. Oh, it was only an hour. And tw- I thought yeah. we watched one that was close to two hours. Vinyl well, uh, was two hours. Well, is that what you're thinking? I about? said, <laughs> did I watch vinyl? I'm talking about vinyl. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Well, I said it in my text that uh, it's two hours, but it was the way the Hulu had one colon 20, which I understood as two hours, but it wasn't. It was an hour and 20 minutes. Hmm. Not 120 minutes. Correct. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to the Hulu viewing experience in a little bit, <laughs> but let's just say I am I can not hear the, happy. I can hear the fire in your... You know you can upgrade to 
Hulu, whatever. No, oh, no, oh no, it's not because of that. I'll, oh, okay. we'll talk about it, but it's not because of that. I mean, I guess it kind of is, but it shouldn't be. Okay. Um. So, so then a question I had about the book. So I guess the book is not that concerned with the JFK aspect of it. It's it's more more going to it more follows. It's more in line with how the episode ends not to get too far ahead of ourselves where he's um you get the impression at least that he's going to try and rectify this uh, situation for his janitor student from the beginning of the episode right the, the assassination of JFK is a is a kind of further it's like an end point mm-hmm. but he's going a lot of different places before he gets So up would there. it not be possible to just sort of like cherry pick a few of those to center the series around and then end it. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think what they're, what they're trying to do and what you'll probably see is, is he's, as he's going back and changing things and dealing with stuff, he's learning things. I mean, it's all tied to character. You know, it's not just about him affecting other people and then moving on with his, his life. It's about how, what he changes affects those people, but then also how it changes him and how it affects him, which is why I love the story. And so I think what they're going to try and do is instead of just making it like a guy like bopping in and out of time being like, like Groundhog Day, Mm -hmm. right? Where he gets it down to this um, rhythm of like, go here and get my, you know, $100,000, then go over here and save this guy's life, then go over here and, you know, speak the French that I learned and have sex with this lady, right? It's more about this kind of internal struggle and issues with what he's doing by affecting the past mm-hmm. and how it's changing him. So I don't think that they can cherry pick as much. And and I kind of like the idea that they are at least focusing on one story because Josh Duhamel, who's another big name, mm-hmm. he's this guy's father. So he's either going to be dealt with in the next episode and then we're back on JFK or we're going to be hanging out here for a while. And I think that that's what they're going to do and and kind of, you know, instead of doing this other plot line that's in the book, I think they're trying to maybe expand this one to kind of show the effects of what he's changing on himself and get him to a point where he's willing to, to go after JFK Mm -hmm. because right now, Right? Like he's driving back to Maine at first just to get out, mm-hmm. get back out of the past. He's done with it. Why is he driving back to Maine? Because the house burned down. Yeah, he's but getting- Maine is like not a real, like it has no, he has no reason to go to Maine. To get back out. That's where the, that's where the gate is. That's where the gate is. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So he. He's giving up. He's giving up. So, no, 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 wait a minute. So he walked through the closet. In Maine. And in Maine. showed up in Maine in 1960 and yes. then drove 20 hours to Texas? Yes. Yeah. How did I miss that? The, the, you missed the, the montage of him driving through the night down to Dallas after he escaped the hotel. Yeah. Oh, is that what that was? Uh-huh. Wow. Jeez. Okay. That makes... Okay. I guess that makes sense. I had, I had no idea that's... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that he was just like going across town or something. <laughs> <laughs> across right. town from Maine to Texas. Yeah. Well, I didn't know he showed up in Maine. Well, that, I just assumed he showed up wherever he showed up at. I yeah. guess I wasn't paying that close attention. Chris Cooper, he first walked through the closet. He's like, where am I? Dallas? Oh, perfect. I'll stop the candy assassination. <laughs> Chris, I think you should take over hosting duties until Justin can uh, prove himself. And come back from this horrible. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mistake. Well, I'll say, despite that um, blunder, not that blunder. I really liked the episode. I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I, I feel like James Franco. James Franco's acting is a little up and down, but overall, I think he's fine. Right. I don't think he's great. Elise talked about that. I explained it away by saying, I think what he's doing is kind of what I would do if I went back to the fifties. Which is kind of play up the gee whiz. Right. Hey, everybody. You know, like he seems kind of just overly happy at everything. Well, I I think for me, 
James Franco is uh is kind of a weirdo, kind of just a strange person. Mm-hmm. And so when he's playing a a weirdo on Freaks and Geeks, it works because he's just as a strange guy. But when he's trying to play a completely sort of straight-laced guy in a movie, it doesn't work as well because he just has these sort of ticks mm-hmm. and sort of reads of situations that are not your normal guy reads of situations, right? Right. So he, something about his performance just seems a little off, but it's not really distracting. Um, but I, re- I really like the episode overall, and I agree with everything you guys have said. That The pacing was, especially for a show that's an hour and 20 minutes long, I thought the pacing was really great. Uh, and it was really interesting, and it kept me involved. One thing I will say that that it, I don't know if I would say it bothered me, but it kept making me think of a all of the previous Stephen King television adaptations, and b the conversation we just had about those last week. But the sort of editing and like sound design and score of this to me makes it feel a lot like the old Stephen King television adaptations. Did you get that? Did either of you get that feeling at all? Like, like the, the, this, like the scene where he's, where Chris Cooper is first introducing the closet to James Franco and like this, I guess what the theme of the show is starts sort of rising in the background. It just struck me as very nineties movie television editing and sound design. And it, it, I'm not sure if I like it because of the nostalgia or if it bugs me because that's not how you make movies or television shows anymore. Did it feel sort of like, um, what's the word for not modern? Did it feel like old? Retro? Retro to you in any way? Chris, I don't know. What, what do you think? Are you going out on this limb with Justin? <laughs> uh, I can't say that I fully felt that. It, did, it didn't cross my mind. Yeah, okay. me, me either. I think Maybe you're... I'm looking into it too much. Yeah, I think you're too busy focusing on that and not on the fact <laughs> the that you're driving show. five Where states. Where the main character's going? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, with that being said... I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that I really liked from the episode. If you have some things that you really liked, feel free to throw them in. But um, I really liked the opening sequence with the guy talking directly into the camera Mm -hmm. and then it cutting back and forth between that flashback. I just thought that that was really effective and the acting of it was really great um, for something that seems like it would be hard to kind of pull off. Mm-hmm. I really liked that a lot. I thought the transition was then strange where it went into like um like the the Christmas story sort of dream sequence where Ralphie's turning in his paper and his teacher flips out and starts writing A plus over everything. Right? So it cuts out of that narrative or that monologue. And then James Turner goes like, This is great. And then he holds the paper up in front of everybody, puts a big A plus on it, hands it back to him, is like, okay, this is a little it was goofy weird like is this what am i watching right now <laughs> but overall i thought that that opening um monologue was really good he didn't feel genuine it felt like he was being sarcastic like he yeah exactly he wrote a plus he's like see this guy's a plus and then he rips up the paper <laughs> and he said your dad should have killed you like that's what <laughs> it felt like was about to happen Right. It felt a little patronizing. Right. Which maybe that's the point because the guy's kind of slow. And so James Franco's trying to be like super nice. But it seems like he genuinely is a good guy because he was like, he's obsessed with the guy. He's sitting there with the older, bitter lady that works at the school. Alice. Alice. Mm. And he's like in awe of the guy getting the thing while Alice is being, you know, bitter, negative. But that's what I'm saying. Because it's James Franco. It can't just seem like, right. oh, this is just a nice guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, this guy's, this guy's like trying to be nice. Right. Right? This is He's a, not actually this nice. This is a psychopath <laughs> trying to pretend to be normal. Well, he pulled yeah. it off in Planet of the Apes. You got you to gotta think it's the James Franco. It, it really is. It's the same guy from Planet of the Apes. I never saw it. Oh. Well, that's the problem. 
That's a prerequisite. Which Dawn of the Planet. The he plays oh, yeah. a scientist, right? Yeah. The first one. Oh no, yeah. Rise you're you're absolutely right. That's him. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. He's he's basically transposed that character into into this. Yeah. I really liked um like you mentioned before the the setting up of the yeah, the the man with the yellow card. Yellow card man. Yellow card man, where they want to call him. It's it's somewhat uh sinister without being like really over the top. Mm-hmm. Um but you know he's going to play a bigger role down the road, of exactly. course. Uh I really liked that he gambles for his money. Mm-hmm. I knew you would. And I was a little bit afraid. And I honestly remained afraid until you just told me he drove from Maine to Texas. <laughs> that that sort of gambling uh, incursion was going to be a larger part of the story. And that like those people were going to be chasing him for a long time, but they'd keep showing up because that just is not interesting to me. So I'm glad that at least now I think that that's in the past. Yeah. yeah I, I think it was just to, to show that he has to be smart about what he does. And then yeah, exactly. the whole using his iPhone to distract the guy was just to show you that he's up for the task, or at least he's trying his best, even mm-hmm. though he's going to be giving up by the end of the episode. Right. I, I loved, well, here's the, here's one of the issues that I have, especially when you have a character who's extremely literary, like he mm-hmm. is, is whenever you're dealing with, like if I went back in time the first thing I would think of is all the stories that I've read and movies I've watched of people going back in time. And then I would try and protect against those mistakes. Mm-hmm. So number one, you think if somebody hands you a gambling guide, you immediately would think of back to the future. You'd be like, mm-hmm. Biff cannot get his hands on this. So I'm going to take special precautions with it and like make a copy here in the present day and when I'm in the past, be pr- protective of it. But there's a scene where he's going into gamble and he like looks at it and he throws in the glove box of his convertible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're, and I, I'm just seeing that. I'm like, okay, either that's like just a nod to like, oh, 50s, no one's going to mess with me. Yeah. Or it, it's showing this kind of flagrant disregard for common sense when you're time traveling, especially like when he's in Dallas and he's looking at, is he looking at the book depository and he bumps into those girls mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he spills all the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like classic, you know, time travel one Oh one. If those are future documents, you don't like just carry them loose leaf. So they like blow yeah. in the wind and somebody picks up and sees a picture of Kennedy getting shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was just stuff like that where, I'm like, either this show is not interested in introducing those ideas where it's going to be a constant, oh no, somebody has that, you know, like when he gets um, arrested or not arrested, but he gets knocked out, yeah, interrogated, and he has the Vietnam knife. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get the Vietnam knife back. Like, I don't want a series, and Stephen King didn't write the book to be a series of like, oh no, where's my phone, you know? And mm. oh no, where's my gambling guide? And then he has to go like track it down. Well, the lesson with the gambling was that he gambled too much, right? It wasn't that, it, it was that the lesson was, you know, just like he did with the car. Uh, Chris Cooper told him not to buy a fancy car and he did anyways. Right. He didn't say, they at least they didn't show it with the gambling. He didn't go, he didn't say like, you can't raise suspicions with your gambling. You can't go in and place a hundred dollars, which is a huge amount of money in that time on this completely out there bet. Um, You know, you can't win your $3,600 all at once because that's going to raise suspicion. You need to do it a little at a time. Right. Uh, Yeah. I I knew that was, and I like that point, but I didn't like how cavalier he was with the information that he had. He seemed oblivious to the fact that a hundred dollars is a lot of money, even though everybody knows that nowadays, like he's not an idiot. In fact, he's anything, but he's a professor. Right. Like I would even, I, I've seen some time travel movies that deal with gambling. I wouldn't have placed that bet. Yeah. You know, especially after paying six cents for my pie, (laughs) you know, I'd be like, Oh wow. This is, 
I'm in a different time here. Yeah, and as and that's the other thing I was gonna say that I liked. Uh, this was was bordering on a, on a dislike for me. Is there there is a lot of stuff in the beginning that gets very close to that line of being too much of like, golly gee, things are crazy during this time. They're so much more different than my time. You know what I mean? But I feel like it doesn't it it doesn't go too far with it. It sort of makes its point with the pie and with the gambling and uh you know whatever else buying the car and then it sort of backs away from it and it's not in as much in the second part of the episode so i like that they were not pounding that into your head you know they made it a point to do it and then they sort of moved on mm-hmm. um but that's all this stuff that i had for just the like observations of little things that i enjoyed what about you chris oh i i covered i covered every all my notes okay my well my okay so here's another thing um the the little box that chris cooper the owl gives um with the ids and all the stuff credit cards right i was expecting a little more again from a guy who has been able to go into the past mm-hmm. for so long, he seems to have collected so little. And I know that you went through the difficulty of getting him all the documentation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all he had to do was go and place a bet four times. Like I was thinking like a video game. Like once you find something that gives you a reward or something, you just go back to that place four times. Mm-hmm build up your reward and then you keep going. And again, like, especially with James Franco, I would have reset after that big bet went wrong. I, I would have just taken my money. Yeah. Put it in that box, gone back, done it again, done it well and build up more money. Like I, I just, I felt like had Chris Cooper given, shown me that box, I would have been disappointed. <laughs> and would you all have been disappointed? I would have been like, "Ow, come on, this box this is what you got to show for decades of time traveling." This first a box off, with the Hertz card, right? You know nothing more than what everyone else knows about the assassination <laughs> that you're obsessed with. You you got me some ID, thank you. But where's the money, Al? And where's some of like the real world application? Go get me a first issue of Spider Man, come back or something. You know, um. Number one. Number two, would you, how would you have reacted to an old man telling you you had to go stop JFK's assassination? Well, he sort of proved it to him by going through the gate. No, no. I know, I know he proved that you could do it, but do you think Al made the case convincingly that... Well, stopping the assassination is the best course of action. Well, they clearly what they're trying to do is they were trying to paint James Franco as a broken man because, you know, with a divorce thing and that he doesn't really have a whole lot going on in his life. He doesn't appear to have a ton of friends. What else do you have going on in your life? Go stop the assassination. Exactly. His, his basic favorite hangout place they made clear is a an empty diner with an old man. So I, I think that's what this is his chance to do something with his life. That's what they're right, trying but, to get you to buy into. Right. But, but would you stepping out of the show? Would you just out of curiosity? I, I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't know if I would do it in my current, like if this happened to me, I probably would be like, no, but I'll go back and get some money. You're, you're basically in James Franco's shoes though, Chris, you're what twice divorced. You're hanging on I've never to been, your life by a, th- by a threat. I'm not twice divorced. It was w- once divorced, and it wasn't a real divorce. It was common law marriage divorce. Um, maybe I would do it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Other three of us, I think you'd, you're, you're the front runner to, to stop JFK's assassination. Yeah. I have to think about our, it. Our entire hope is in you, Chris. <laughs> That's actually something... Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about outside of the outside of Hulu's terrible service is there's obviously another gap 
an uh, an undemonstrated gap in between Chris Cooper introducing this idea to James Franco and Chris then Chris Cooper dying there's a huge span of time in between there where he and James Franco apparently sat down and he explained every single thing step just, by step to him. No, it, it was the entire night. That was covered. Right, that's, no. that's what I'm saying. But they don't show that until you start getting these flashbacks. And No, that's not entirely had with, That's not entirely true. They, they, there's a scene where it's clearly light outside. And as what's it called? Uh, Chris Cooper says something to James Franco. And James Franco He's goes... He's like, I can hang on for two more minutes to see things. Yeah, no, he says... Better. He says, uh, I, I've been, we've been talking about it all night. We, it's been overnight. He, he does say that. Yeah, I just thought it was weird that we didn't... That, that, that we didn't see that. This is what I thought was weird about it. Is you don't see that. So I, I, I'm assuming it's not that important. Chris Cooper dies... And then 30 seconds later, James Franco's in the past and you're getting a flashback to Chris Cooper explaining things to him. And it's just like, wait a minute. I just saw him. He was just dead. Why am I now getting a... F like, I just feel like the structure of that is a little uh, bizarre. I, I, I'm going to push back on that because the, the alternative is just an exposition dump where we get to see them standing in a room looking sure. at each other. But I would have rather had that. No, because no. to me that builds up the mystery of is this real or not? Is this guy just a crazy guy, you know, running off at the mouth? Mm -hmm. Well, no, I, no, I think we're supposed to assume that he's a legitimate guy who's really. Here's here's my question though. I would have just said to Al, Al, you may have a point with the JFK thing. What if I go back and introduce Apple technology to the fifties, <laughs> like? Could that potentially change the world for the better? Mm -hmm. Let's try that. Yeah, but I think that is a, that, I think that's more of the the a time travel paradox than it is a, a problem with this story in particular. I mean, you could say that about any time traveling story. Exactly. I was okay with it. <laughs> I just felt like the I just well, I I don't want to. You know, I just felt like it just felt strange to me that I'm seeing this person dead and then not even a minute later, I'm getting a flashback to him where he's alive. Like, mm -hmm. I just felt the maybe a little bit more time in between those two things would have helped soften maybe the blow. It, you needed to grieve. Yeah, maybe presenting it differently would have helped in the form of like he's Franco's just reading notes or, you know, he has detailed notes left behind instead of well, he does. If he, yeah, he does. So then, why am I? I, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> so did did either of you have any troubles actually watching the show? No, mine was my perfect. TV MA rating mm -hmm. would not go away for the first like twenty minutes of the of the show. How did you watch it? On my Xbox, Chris. How did you watch it? Through Hulu on the Xbox. Okay. How did you watch it? I watched it on a computer. Oh. Well, there you go. Yeah. And it'll get you. Every time it got to a commercial break, it's it started smoking. It stopped. Oh. <laughs> it would not play anymore. Ooh. So yeah. then I started watching it on my laptop and I got through one set of advertisements. And then I got to the next set of advertisements and it did the same thing. Black screen would not reload, just wouldn't play at all. It wouldn't even say like, it didn't even say, it was just a completely black screen. I could not do anything. So then I had to stop watching it on my laptop and finish watching it on my phone. Ugh. So I'm watching the last 20 minutes of the show on my stupid iPhone. And the quality is jumping from HD to like 140p to like literally I'm watching blocks of people move around the screen. Minecraft. Yeah. Minecraft so version. I'm like tapping to try and change the quality settings to just lock it in on the HD. I don't care how long it has to buffer. And you can't change the quality settings on the app. You just have to watch it with whatever it, it, it pushes to you. Why didn't you watch it on the Xbox? Well, I didn't watch it at home or on my Xbox because last night was the Grammys. Hmm. So my wife was watching the Grammys and... When my wife is watching something, 
that is that means I can then play Destiny for the duration that she is watching something. <laughs> so I'm not going to waste my time watching 112263 when I could be playing Destiny. Fair. Because I can watch 112263 at a different time. Uh-huh. There's a lot of blame to go around in this situation. <laughs> Maybe, but I would still argue that their service should work on any platform that they're offering it on. I, I, and it didn't work. I feel like the next podcast you're, you're going to start with, yeah, I didn't watch it. <laughs> Listen, I saw the black screen. Maybe a commercial was even coming up. I don't know, <laughs> but I had enough. So how was it, guys? All right. Well, that does it for the, for the episode, unless you guys have any uh, final thoughts. Nope. Um, I maybe had... Maybe I had one, but does the show does the, does the has it is it do you think it's more of like a cliff notes version of the book or is it just so pared down from the book that it's 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 very pared down. But I no, I don't get the sense that they're I, I think that they have an approach to this story, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm excited for. So you're confident for the rest of this miniseries? I, yeah, I'm confident that they know how to tell the story that they want to tell. Um, and I'm not going to be thinking about the book too much. Um, so yeah, no, I, I liked it. Um, and I, again, my only worry is that they have enough runway to take off, you know, that over the next seven episodes, they can tell all the story that they want. But, um, but this is a good start. Okay. Well, uh, this was Everything is Television. You can, uh, if you want to interact with the show or with us, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right. And I'm at KK Summers. You can also go to the website eipodcast.com and leave a, a comment there. Or you can review the show on iTunes if that's how you want to interact. Any way you choose is fine with us. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. 